Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not confuse. It's a trap! Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Shall Inherit. I'm Daniel Pickett. And I am Jason Lindsay. And you remember the other day when we said, well, that was our sort of mid-season break. I do. It you seems know. like forever ago. <laughs> We missed like two weeks, but we're back on track now. <laughs> well, this, well, now this been... goes up. We won't have had a fresh one in, what, a month? Uh, I don't know if it's been quite that long. I think we did one mid-December. Like, I'm just, I mean, I don't know how many, how many lives do you think we've lost since then? Oh, I don't know. But it's it's a new year, so happy new year. Happy new year to you, too, and happy new year to all the all the listeners. I hope um, hope there haven't been too many casualties in the meantime. Uh, you know, as a, as a lifeline to you folks, I know we've, we might have lost a few, but for those of you that are still carrying on and staying with us, Happy New Year to everybody. Yes, indeed. How was your holiday season, your New Year's, your Kwanzaa, your Festivus, etc.? It was. What about my Hanukkah? And how was your Hanukkah? <laughs> it was lovely. Did, did, uh, so yeah, it was. Did Hanukkah, it was really... did Hanukkah Pete uh, come out of the the it was Hanukkah Harry, right? Hanukkah Harry, yeah. That was the Saturday Night Live for you. Slacks. <laughs> <laughs> this old John Lovitz. Uh, yeah, we, it was great. Uh, we went out of town. I visited my family back in Oklahoma and for five days. And then I went to my in-laws in Iowa uh, for five days, which was lovely to see them all. But no one should live there in like December and January, quite frankly. You must have got nailed because that was right. That was an awful time. It's bad now, but that was a bad stretch, too, right? Yeah, I was I, I was caught. I was part of the polar vortex that everyone is is talking about. That's a great name for a band, by the way. <laughs> totally is polar vortex. Or maybe, yeah, maybe it was, an album. It was it was so cold. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I I talked to my uh, my father the other day in St. Paul. This was two days ago. It was twenty nine or thirty below zero. That's that's just that's pre wind chill. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy because. Um, you know, I mean, we're, we, at a certain point, you sound like you're, we're talking about, you know, survival training. But but it is weird to live. I mean, I grew up there, obviously. But, you, you know, to think about those times where the news would say, you know, don't you know, don't have the flesh exposed for too long because this, you know, they, the warning is, you know, how long your flesh can be exposed to the to the cold. The other thing that's really strange, and I, I thought about this when I all this these weather reports and this crazy weather. I remember growing up. Occasionally, the school would close because there was so much snowfall, like ridiculous right. amount. I don't ever remember schools closing because it was so cold. Right. And like Iowa, that gets cold every year, like clockwork. They had never done that either. It, but it was it's because the kids can't stand at the bus stop that long. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. walk to school. It's that dangerously cold it, it, to try to have a little bit of solidarity with all the, the folks in the Midwest and out east that are having terrible weather. Um Lots of, you know, my, my wife got a, got a nasty cold right around Christmas and just after. So a lot of a lot of movie marathons and, you know, uh, flipping channels and stuff. And we put in Fargo. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> Fargo. That's one of those movies that, you know, like 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 when you watch Do the Right Thing or Apocalypse Now, like 
it's so hot and sweaty in those movies. Like you, you start to sweat just watching yeah. them. Fargo is one of those movies that it's so miserable and cold in that movie. You can, you can feel the cold. You know what that feels like if you've ever been in it. And you know that bit where uh, – spoilers if no one's seen Fargo. But get off your butts and see Fargo. Uh, you know when the, all hell breaks loose and Peter Stormare does the thing to the cop and then he, then he, he chases the other car, you know, that whole disaster that happens? I do, yes. I'm only, I just caught this. I mean, I suppose it, maybe I caught it before, but I just noticed it where when Frances McDormand is sort of analyzing the crime scene the next morning, she mentions that, you know, Steve Buscemi's character must have turned off the lights in the cop car. So the cop pulls him over, car's running, he goes and does that disaster, and then Stormare takes, the, you know, and as Buscemi's trying to get rid of the body, Stormare takes the car and goes to get the other folks. So Buscemi's character went into the cop car to stay warm and turned the lights off, right. which I'd never thought of before. And of course that makes sense because he couldn't have stood out there uh, waiting for him because he would have froze to death. Yep. Wasn't there a story about that too where because they very tongue-in-cheek said that that was based on a true story and the the briefcase of money was buried in the snow with that little marker that he put, wasn't there a, a true story just or is this B-crap too, where a woman from Japan uh, died because she came out in the wintertime and tried to find the money? Oh, I don't know. I don't think I heard that. I, I should look that up. That could be an urban myth as well. But I think someone actually died thinking that it was a, like a documentary and you know came out looking for the money in, uh, <laughs> and died in the snow. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, huh? But yeah, there, there was snow uh, in, in Iowa, and you know my daughter's 10, and I think she's seen snow once uh-huh. uh, in Oklahoma, and it didn't, you know, it lasted about a, a day or so. But this snow was there when we got there, and it was there when we left. It wasn't going anywhere in these temperatures. What? And she loved it. You could not keep that girl inside. Oh, bless her. She would bundle up, and she would go out and sled, and, oh. you know, it's it's not... Amazing sledding because it's very flat there, but you know she found some places. Oh, and just that's great! Had a had a ball. You know, I've and had... she would come in and just you know her face is beat red. Yeah, and she can't feel her fingers. And she'd get some cocoa in her, and she'd wrap back up, and, and she'd hit the hit the snow again. So you're looking for property right now in in, in Iowa? Nope, nope. <laughs> very happy to be back. Very happy to be warm. Whenever I you know whenever it comes up, sometimes like oh I'm I'm actually from Minneapolis. So, you know people are like oh gosh I've been once or whatever. I've had so many people say. When I got off, I, I landed in you know the time I was there. It was the winter time, and they say when I got off the airplane, you know that what do you call the walkway between the plane and the um, the jet bridge? The jet bridge, and they say when I hit the jet bridge, and could and that's not even being outside. That's just on the bridge. They people say it is the coldest I've ever felt in my entire life. Yeah. That particular moment, like breathing in that air, because you know when you when you pull that into your life, it's cold air. You know, it's it's people die when they're out shoveling because they're breathing in this cold air and they dropped out of heart attacks. And, you know, too, you know, you've been I think we've been living out here almost the the same amount of time. Mm. Uh, I've been here, I don't know, 17, 18 years. But we come from places that do have seasons and do get cold. Yeah. But when you're out here for a long time, your thermostat resets. Oh, so when it's like 50 degrees, you're like, oh, oh, man, is it cold? Oh. Well, not only that, but you're like, wait a second. When you get back, you go, how did I ever do this? Like, it's yes, 
you know, and I, and, and it's finally, I've had vindication because for the longest time I would tell my wife, I'd say, you know, no, I'm serious. When you, when you come home at night, we would have to plug the car into the garage, plug in the engine. Keep, yeah. keep the engine warm. No, that's re- Jason. You're that's ridiculous. It's no such thing. I'm like, I'm telling you, we used to do this. No, you're getting it mixed up with something else. I said, I'm telling you, you had to keep the engine warm. And then they they were telling a story on CNN and mentioned it, and I was like, see, I told you. <laughs> like, I'm not making it up. But it's that, yeah. that insane. You tell people, and they go, excuse me, you had to plug your car in. It's like, yeah, that's what we did to survive. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people I've had to eat. Just to wait a second. by the side of the road. Those times we are recording. We are recording this. We are recording. This. Well, it's totally legal just, in the Twin Cities. No, you just you just confessed to a crime to eat people uh, in the Twin Cities in the winter time. <laughs> oh, just in the Twin Cities. Oh yeah, between mid January oh. and I think end of March. Yeah. Yeah, at certain temperatures, it's perfectly legal to to eat humans mm. in the Twin Cities. Yeah. I mean, you might you might want to Google that one too. It's not encouraged, you know. The, the the mayor's not saying, hey, get out there, you know, but if you have to, it's, that's survival, you know? Mm. On that note, yes. what are you excited about this first broadcast of 2014? Well, you know, some of the topics I think on this episode will be going back a bit because a lot you know, uh, 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 did happen while we were away. So we'll, we'll try and cover some of that. But yes. I think I think one of the, the most fun things that I, that I have been excited about was – uh, there was uh, I, I watched the show Arrow on the CW. Yes, I'm I'm familiar. Tell the folks what it is in case they don't know. So that is the show based on Green Arrow uh, from DC Comics. Yes, and uh, you know Smallville I liked. Uh, it hit its stride. I don't know, maybe about fifth or sixth season. I felt like. Uh-huh. Uh, but Arrow has been just dynamite from the get go. I hear and that. I hear it's quite good. Second season, even better than first season. So they had this uh, two or three episode story arc with Barry Allen, who would become the Flash. Right. And uh, as they were leading into that, you know, sort of mid-season hiatus that they do, the last scene of that last episode uh, in December was getting to see the origin of the Flash on TV. No way. And uh, and I know, you know, there was the John Wesley Ship thing, but... uh, it was just it was so great to be able to see that and you you knew what was coming you you know he's in the lab and there's a storm outside and there's all the chemicals on the shelf and you're just like here it comes it was just great it was so satisfying you know as a as a longtime comic book reader to to see that on screen again that's so, cool so are they, are they yeah. is he going to become like a recurring character in the show well they are actually uh they're shooting a flash pilot now also for the CW oh, so nice. it be its own show. Yeah. Is he like one of your favorite DC characters? The Flash? Yeah. Uh I like him, yeah. 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 I mean I actually uh, like Green Arrow a little better even, I would say. Oh, interesting. So did I was you ever sign up for that? Did you read all the um did you dig the the Green Arrow Green Lantern, you know, the the, the Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams uh Oh, the the old hard traveling hero stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. That was you know that was my era of learning to read you know with comics and stuff. Mm. So yeah, it, all um, those old eighty giant pages and stuff like that. So yeah, I totally dig that stuff. It's interesting that uh, they seem you know DC seems to well Smallville clearly was a success and people people dug it and everything, um, but they seem to do all right with the small screen versions of their characters. Quite often, of course, uh, 
best of all is you know the animated stuff that, that the DC characters have gone through. I think they're they do a wonderful job with you know all that stuff, um, yep. but uh, still can't quite get it going in the in the movie department here and there. I mean they have obviously with great success, but um, oh, what's the latest thing? There's some latest thing we heard about Superman. Batman, right? We 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 know that. Um, I think it was that I was comparing notes on that and, and Amazing Spider-Man two. The uh, the number of villains. Aren't we going to get like three or four villains? They're talking about in this Superman thing. Well, we don't know. So there's there's a lot of stuff that has been circulating. I think last episode was just when they had announced uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Right. Uh, there was some rumor and speculation right around. Christmas that uh, Denzel Washington was going to be Green Lantern, Ooh. like John Stewart Green Lantern. So oh, that'd be, I didn't but, hear that. But again, that's that's still a rumor. Right. Uh, there were rumors that there would be a Flash in this movie. They uh, there has been speculation that that I think uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is going to be someone in it. Nice. Uh, also, Joaquin Phoenix. They have talked about. That's the one. They were they were throwing him around for Luthor, right? Yeah, but again, the Brian Cranston Luther thing still keeps showing up. But did you hear about that? Uh, what? What about did that? Did we talk about that? Well, I don't. I mean, it's it's come and gone three or four times was, that I've seen. Cranston got asked about it. I forget how I heard. It. Maybe it was Alex or somebody told me this. It was total B crap. Okay. It was, there was never even an offer. It was just. It was just you know, misdirection, uh, throwing it out. People going, Hey, he's bald. Yes, exactly. In that one show. But it was never, um, it was never really substantial in, in any way. The one that I heard that almost made me throw my laptop across the, the room was the kid from, um, you know, the HBO series girls. Oh yeah. The guy that basically is the, the boyfriend of the lead character in girls. Yeah, there was rumors. I think we we did well, we talk, did talk about that, that, didn't we? Yeah, rumors that yeah. he was going to be Robin or Nightwing, Nightwing or something, something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't handle that. In fact, no one from that. I'll go on record as saying no one from that series should be anywhere near this movie. Or you know what? I'll go for any movie at all, any of any kind besides the series Girls. Then none of those people should be involved with anything besides Girls. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's how strongly I I, I feel about that. That is pretty strong. There's, there are billboards pretty... all over L.A. right now for that that show, and I, I I want to get out of my car and punch them, jump up onto the billboard and punch it. Why do you hate girls so much? Why are you so anti-girl? I love girls. I love women. I, I don't know. It sounds... It's a show. Have you seen, oh. seen the show? Uh, yeah. Oof. It's... And I, I'm saying that because I've, I've been through it. I did the first season, and I think maybe like half of the second. And, uh, oof, just can't do it. <laughs> so it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough haul. So you're excited. So about one, one other real quick yeah. uh, Batman versus Superman rumor that a lot of people went bananas about. And I, and I believe it has now been uh, debunked. Yes. But there was word this past week that... They were saying that something in the script was going to say that the Amazons were descendants of those ancient Kryptonians from the first movie. And that upset a lot of people. Yeah, that doesn't seem... uh... Well, aren't they already trying to kind of spin the whole... I mean, the fact that this actress has an accent that's playing Wonder Woman. I mean, I guess there's nowhere is it written 
that she can't have an accent or anything, but they're already, you know, uh, aren't they already sort of figuring out how they can spin this where it makes sense that she would have uh, an accent? Uh, I don't know. Didn't I hear that somewhere? Or am I wrong? That could be possible. I just want to hear something that makes me go, ooh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. You know, um, and I just haven't haven't quite uh, quite had that yet. I mean, the Joaquin Phoenix thing, I got nothing against Joaquin Phoenix. I just, uh, I don't think necessarily, you know, Lex Luthor. Now, when you say Denzel right. for whoever, like, that's that could be cool. I'd love to yeah. see him do something. Did you ever see that movie he did called Flight? Did we talk about it? Yeah. Oh. I don't know if we talked about it, but yeah, I certainly saw that it. That is not an easy movie to watch because <laughs> no, it's not. he's a, not a likable character, but damn, he is good in that movie. Yeah. He is uh, that, that is a wonderful movie, but one of those that you just can't you can't pop in every year. <laughs> you know, it's like the Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter is a great movie, but you don't want to whip it out on a Sunday night and go, "Hey, who wants to watch the Deer Hunter?" Uh, same thing with Flight. Well, I'm going to yeah. say what I'm excited about. Tell us. Is that we're back in action? We're it's 2014. We're doing a new episode. And uh, we're hopefully making a bunch of people smile. And also I'm noticing on uh, the Facebook that the youngsters uh, seem to like so much that are, what do we call them, friends or associates? What, what do you call them when someone likes your page or whatever? Well, they're, at, they're technically called page likes, but we can also call them our fans or our friends. Should, I was going to say, do we call them friends or fans? I mean, they're, they're both, but I like, to, I like to consider them friends. Well, I do too. I mean, hope you know, friendly enough to maybe borrow a couple bucks from now and then. But <laughs> but are we are we uh, you know are we are we are we being arrogant to call them fans? Are we are we allowed to say we have we have fans? I think that's fine. You know, you know, we're not being uh, big headed or anything. No, I mean, for goodness' sake, if someone's gonna show up and listen to us ramble for an hour or so every week, God bless them. And they then we should, we can call them a fan. Yeah. All right. Well, I happen to notice on the uh, Geek Shall Inherit Facebook page that uh, we're we're creeping up on uh, 9,500 uh, fans. Nice. Right. Yeah. For the longest time there, we kind of hit a ceiling of like like 7,200 or something. Right. And then I uh, went out and slept with a couple thousand people. <laughs> nice going. <laughs> And it turns out they uh, they they came through for me and actually uh, you know hit like on the Facebook page. Well, that, that's nice. You really put yourself on the line for us. I appreciate. Hey, that. you're welcome. Unfortunately, I'm riddled with disease. Oh. And uh, so <coughs> we're gonna have to speed this up. But, well, I consider um, it all worth. But it. we got a nice a nice audience building on the on the Facebook. Yeah, that's that's really and I, and I know there's some new listeners and stuff. We'll you know we'll we'll have a a new listener of the week later in the show that we'll talk about and uh, and that sort of thing. So thanks everyone. If you're new, yeah, welcome. If you're if you're uh, old school, welcome back. And if you if you're new to the show, just to let you know, it's a podcast. Right. That's you know for starters and just to kind of help you wade through the water. It's uh, it's a podcast. It's like radio on the internet. Right. And uh, the reason we we do it this way instead of on camera is we're we've been told we're too handsome to, yeah. to be able to do it on camera. So we're too handsome for our own equipment. Even I don't I don't I mean maybe they're announcing something this week at at CES 
that would be able to handle our handsomeness, but so far none of the equipment can capture that. Yeah, fully. right now the, the the tech just isn't there. Yeah. Very much like you know the Lord of the Rings films. That's why they they couldn't right. do them justice forty years ago. The tech wasn't there. Yeah. Same way for our our handsomeness, or so we've been and, so we've been led to believe. Right. Yes. So, so I'm going to say that I'm very excited to be back uh, in, in action, and also because. We do this show, and we, it's a great platform to talk about ourselves and how cool we are and all the, <laughs> all the crap that we're involved with, but also our, our friends and colleagues and family members or whomever. This is a great way to say, hey, they're doing something cool too. And um, I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, an old, old uh, pal of mine named Don Merrick. Several years ago, I worked – John Merrick? You know the elephant man? John Merrick is doing a one-man show uh, <laughs> it's called Is That an Elephant in Your Pocket or Is John Merrick Here? And nice. uh, it's sold out. No, um, Don Merritt is, is his name. A few years ago, I did a show. I worked on a show in, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it was supposed to be like a three-month thing, but I only stayed for like three weeks, helped get the show on its feet, and then head, headed back to L.A., and I was in the midst of just falling in love with my now wife, and so it was like, you know, I can't do the Dallas thing. I'm going to go back. But the the saddest thing about it was the the people on this crew were really good folks, and everybody hit it off, and they were they were really genuine, nice people. And Don Merritt was one of them. Uh, we've kept in touch, and I remember him way back then talking about this documentary that he was working on or just finishing, I think, uh, called Bottled Up. The Battle Over Dublin Dr. Pepper. And for those of you that don't okay. really know what this is about, there's Dr. Pepper and then there's Dublin Dr. Pepper. And for a hundred and some years, this uh, uh, Dr. Pepper factory in, I believe, the area is called Dublin uh, in Texas, has been pumping out this Dr. Pepper that is just like we've talked about our, our uh, taste for Mexican Coke. Uh, same kind of thing. It's real sugar and it's made a specific way. And this is the only... Uh, place in the world that makes this Dublin Dr. Pepper, and it's you know three, four generations of this, and so on. He's telling me the whole story, and it sounded fascinating to me, um, and I haven't really heard much about it since. Anyway, long story short, bless his heart, this documentary is, uh, is going to be playing the Santa Barbara Film Festival uh, toward the end of the month. He's got uh, distribution, I believe, for this thing, and it's a really great story because it's you know the little guy trying to beat the big guy, and you know there's there's all kinds of uh, drama within it as well. But um, it's very exciting when someone that you know, as you know, because uh, we're you know none of us, a lot of this stuff isn't the textbook sort of path to do things or to you know work at the the company for thirty years and get the gold watch. Nothing against that. It's just a different lifestyle, some of the stuff that, that we do. And so when some of these you know, friends or you know, colleagues or whatever are out there without a net and things kind of click, it's very exciting uh, for them. So, uh, and it hopefully is going to lead to loads more stuff. So uh, I'm excited for Don Merritt and everybody involved with this documentary, Bottled Up, The Battle Over Dublin, Dr. Pepper. they got a Facebook page and there's a trailer out there, I think, on, on uh, YouTube and such. Um, and, and, you know, now, of course... Because I always talk about this, like, wouldn't it be fun to do a, something on the small faces or something on this band or whatever? Um, there's so many more outlets and Kickstarter and you know stuff to get out there. This is, I think they did this thing just just pre the whole Kickstarter thing, uh, you know, old school wise. 
um, and it paid off. So it's 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 working. So all the best to him and the whole gang, and uh, uh, I hope it leads to many more things for for him. Hmm, very cool. Yeah, very. It's it's pretty cool. I can't, I, and I haven't seen it, so I'm, I might meet him at the fest and get to see this thing. It's it's pretty exciting. I was I was telling someone uh, a Dr Pepper story today, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, back back in my hometown of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, they would do a thing. Uh, I guess we probably just passed. I think it was maybe the sixth January sixth. It was twelfth uh, night, the twelfth night after Christmas. They called it Epiphany. Mm. And uh, what they would do is they would – it was an event in a one of the big parks downtown, mm. and you would bring your dead live Christmas tree, because by that time they're pretty crispy, right. and they'd put them in a giant pile, stack them up like two stories tall, and then they set those suckers on fire. Oh, and there, you know, there were kids there singing Christmas carols. Some year, you know, like my theater group that I was in, we were the kids singing. But the other thing that was the holiday tradition there at this thing uh-huh. is that there were booths serving hot Dr. Pepper. Ooh. And I've never heard of it anywhere else except for at this this event. You know, and it's not warm Dr. Pepper. It's it's hot, like a hot tea, like oh, a hot beverage. That's a- and it was Ooh. Dr. Pepper. Yeah, that sounds cool. So I don't know who started that or, or why, but it, it's just kind of a weird thing from my childhood. I love that. I'm going to uh, I'm going to give that a I'm going to give that a, a try. Yeah, that's the stick some in the microwave, sing some Christmas carols. Yeah, it's one of those things. You know, it's it's nice to hear about something that isn't coming from you know the mid any of that area that isn't like deep fried and covered in syrup or chocolate and. Didn't they do a thing? Didn't someone do a thing where they were doing deep fried Coca Cola, where they were freezing yep. little Coca Cola balls and then deep yep. frying them and eating them? Yes, they have were. you tried it? I have not. Uh, I just, which is amazing because I eat almost everything else fried at a county fair. Oh, let's be honest. You could fry human fingers, and I'd probably eat them without without knowing. Um, but speaking of human fingers and eating things. <laughs> Uh, yes. What else is going on? We got a ton of crap to talk. Let's talk about um, Christmas or the holidays, or however you want to word it. Did you get any goodies? Any any fun stuff? I think this year might have been my geekiest Christmas ever. That's that's really saying something. So <laughs> I know. Give us an overview, if you would. I, I got a lot of uh, of toys. I got some DC Imagine X stuff. Uh, oh, is that is, got, is that the one where they? Uh, you know, snap snap body parts off, and you can swap them and stuff. No, no, that's the Marvel stuff. That, sorry, that's sorry. Hasbro what's what's Imagine X? Imagine X is that kind of Fisher Price line that they're doing. Fisher, oh, those cute cute little guys. Yeah, yeah, you know? they're they're um, yeah, those are fun. Those are cool. Yeah, yeah. but they're doing a, a ton of characters now. They really yeah. ratcheted it up. And Target has like exclusives too. Have you seen those where they've got like, a bunch of yeah. Aquaman with the shark and stuff, and yep. yeah, all that all that jazz. That's a fun line. Yeah. Yeah, so I got all that. Uh, I got the the Jumbo IG88 from uh, General Giant. Yeah. Uh, I got that giant Lego Arkham Asylum set, oh. which is pretty sweet. Uh, I got the Slave One uh, for that was the uh, in the vintage package. Yes. That was the Amazon exclusive. Okay. I got all of Star Wars Black Series Two. Uh, now that's the Greedo and Han and Leia and yep. who am I missing? Uh, in Boba Fett, but I had right. the Comic Con Boba Fett. Right. Uh, I got let's see, my brother-in-law got me that six-inch 
classic turtles, the highly articulated ones, the Ninja Turtle. I got Raphael, and he also got me a TARDIS USB hub. Oh, cool. That's cool. Uh, my mom got me those uh, DC Mego repros, those Batman repros. Um, DC Mego. Oh, the the TV. The figure toys, figure toys company. TV yeah. series ones. No, uh, the the way oh, before gotcha. that. I got okay. the actual. Well, that's Mego cool. Repro. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, gee whiz, what else? I mean, just a ton of stuff like that. I mean, it was just uh, you know lots and lots of toys. I was very happy. That's pretty geeky. Not a lot of clothes or anything else. It was all toys this no, year. No, no jammies this year. No, that's good. Well, people, you know, yeah. people know you, so they know better than to. You're finally, you're right. finally outgrown the pajama with the feet in them. Oh, one of the things, you know, my mom is this, you know, sort of Southern Baptist first grade school teacher in the Midwest, uh, and uh, for some of my stuff, she let me just she sent me some money, and I just ordered a bunch of stuff off my Amazon wish list. Okay. And one of the things I've been after is uh, from series two of the McFarlane Walking Dead. Uh, the TV series uh, of figures is the RV zombie, the one with the screwdriver in his eye, its head tilts back. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a cool. And thing. so uh, I got that and wrapped it, you know, for myself from her. <laughs> very horrified. Good old, good old <laughs> you know, that that's, that that's what she got. She's me. always been a zombie expert. Yeah, yeah. Bless her. Well, I didn't. Um, let's see. What did I? What did I get that was sort of you know uh, geeky uh, holiday wise? Well, I, I my. Alien reaction figures showed up like on Christmas Eve. Oh yeah, I got mine too. Which was very cool. They're they're beautiful. They're very well done. Uh, the the little secret figure was kind of fun. I was kind of hoping for a fresh character. Not gonna lie, but uh, you know it was fun that they that they they did what they did. Yeah, I get I get why they didn't do the fresh character because yeah. that would have made other people go bananas if yeah. they couldn't have one figure in the set. Yeah. You know so. It made sense to do some kind of variant like that. Yeah, it did, and uh, and they're they're lovely. It was just everything that we kind of. It's funny you look at them, and you know, being on the other side of it too. You know, making this stuff, you know how long this stuff takes. But like, it truly was, you know, a year and a half journey from like first announcement or seeing these things to to getting them. Um, you know, all the work is there. They did a really nice job on this stuff. Yeah, it was kind of neat too that like the the people that because uh, you know I've. I've joked a little bit online. I was a little bit out of shape that the the folks that got the early bird set didn't get them before retailers got them. Oh, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, retailers got them about two weeks before. So, but if you ordered the early bird set, you got a different set of cards. You had that those blue cards right. as opposed to the black cards. So that that was a nice touch yeah. that they did, uh, really going above and beyond. I thought so too, and they truly do look like. You know they, that you would have walked into the store in 1979, and they would have, you know, been on the on the shelves. They're really nicely nicely done. So no. you know, I'm not a big Christmas. You know, I, you know, we we always kind of say we're not going to get stuff for each other, and then we kind of give little treats here and there. But we kind of make it about the dogs, or you know, uh, my wife's nephew, because you know he's at that great eight nine year old age, getting into Star Wars and all kinds of stuff. But uh, so you know, as you do, you kind of find it few little treats for yourself. So I got the uh, the War Doctor, John Hurt's War Doctor, from the 50th anniversary special. There's a special Sonic Screwdriver uh, toy that's come out for him. Hmm. So I got that. That showed up on Christmas Eve, which was 
which was nice. Uh, on the same note, uh, Doctor Who, I got this great hardcover book called uh, The Doctor Who Vault. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Just a yeah. beautiful book. I've read a lot of great reviews about that. Yeah, and truly, I got it, you know, for the for the pictures, for the um, the merchandise shots. So oh, uh-huh. There are merchandise guides out there. Uh, you know, that I have, but a lot of this stuff is black and white and color. You know, and like I always say, like, I go back to the old school, you know, Doctor Who monthly in the early 80s where you had this crappy, I mean, it was, you know, the magazine was, it was, it was like newspaper, you know, it was that kind of, kind of uh, print uh, paper. And, you know, whenever they did merchandise shots, it was always this grainy black and white shot in someone's basement. You could barely make out what this stuff was. So I always like having that, you know, for any of the stuff that I was, whether I'm collecting it or, you know, I used to be into it, whatever, I always like having those guides. Like, like no one's done an official James Bond, you know, merchandise guide. I wish somebody would, but you end up collecting bits and pieces over the years from different books and magazines and stuff. So this vault book is really beautiful. And some of the stuff I've never seen, you know, like some, oh, neat. some of the merchandise shots and even prototype shots from the 60s are just gorgeous. But it's, it's a really cool book uh, if, you're, if you're a fan. Um, so I got those those things. Then I got a lovely little care package from my old pal Brian Heiler in uh, Canada. Yes. And uh, you know, I had no idea this was even you know coming. And he made two custom things. One is an eight-inch Mego style uh, figure, action figure of Rod Serling. Oh. To go along with my Twilight Zone stuff. So he he. Wow. Knows someone that did this special sculpt, only did a few few pieces, and he uh, put it all together, and he's in a suit, you know, he's in the black and white paint scheme, just like our stuff. So he's in my big display case with my other zone uh, stuff. And then... You, real quick, though, you'll be proud to know that my daughter is really into the Twilight Zone now. Is she really? Yeah, my dad got uh, a box set for Christmas, oh. and we started watching some of them, and really? she... Just wanted to devour them. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Cause I'm always curious. That's 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 really cool to hear. I'm, I'd be really curious to know how she does with it and what what stuff she digs. Because I'm she's what ten nine ten ten ten. And I remember watching. I mean, I was never like you know like nightmare kind of stuff with Twilight Zone, but definitely would be disturbed. Like there were episodes right. that definitely not like can't get to sleep, but just you'd think about for days. Um, yeah. which is, you know, saying something for a black and white series that even when we were kids was already old. Um, right. so I'd be really curious to know how she digests this stuff and, you know, what she thinks of it. So to tell me what, you know, what she digs when she's watching it. Cause I, I find that really interesting. Um, you don't, you don't, think and I, that... I think part of it was kind of, you know, she liked it because it was kind of taboo. Like, you know, my dad, you know, her grandpa didn't want her to watch like nightmare at 20,000 feet. Because we were going to get on a plane uh-huh. in like two days, sure. and so she's like, "Oh, wh- why? What is it? I'll be fine," you know. So it's kind of like the the taboo of it, like, "Oh, there's some episodes too dangerous to watch." Oh, that's cool. Uh, well, let me yeah. keep me posted on that. I'd be I'm curious to know what she'll think of this stuff. So so yeah. So now I've got a Rod Sterling, which as everybody knows, we've never been allowed to do because of Rod's yeah. widow. Uh, you got to send us a picture. We'll put that up on the side. I will because the other thing is even trippier. He uh, he went and made for himself some. Co- you remember the, of course you do from seventies early eighties the rack toys the parachute people. 
Oh, yeah. So they do like a Spider-Man with a parachute or a Captain Kirk with a parachute or Batman with a parachute or Superman. God knows why he needed a parachute. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody, all the DC and Marvel characters, they all got the parachute man treatment. He made a custom Tom Baker, fourth doctor, parachute man. Oh, wow. With a parachute that has like Cybermen on it. And, uh, and, and the card art is gorgeous. He took uh, images from uh, a, a 1978 Doctor Who coloring book in the UK and 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 made it this this parachute man. It's brilliant. It's just this bizarre thing that fell through a wormhole that might have existed in the late 70s kind of thing. That's really cool. Yeah, so that's a really fun uh, Christmas thing. And then my big Christmas gift to myself, I'm not going to lie, I was so excited about this, you know, ordered it, tracked it. I mean, there were days where my mother was here for a visit and I was staring out the window, waiting for the mailman or the UPS guy or whomever, like, where's my – and she'd say, my gosh, you look like you did when you were a kid waiting for packages by the mailbox. I'm like, well, not <laughs> this thing. I ordered the Ghostbusters uh, wands, you know, big old gun. Oh, yeah. Because I have all the rest of the Ghostbusters stuff. And I kept telling myself, no, you don't need it. You don't need it. Stop it. Why do you want that thing? It's too big. You don't need it. And then, of course, I order the thing. And I'm tracking it, and I'm waiting. I'm calling the North Pole. I'm, I'm, I'm listening for the reindeer hooves on the roof. I'm leaving out bags of Oreos and cartons of milk. You name it. Everybody's like, where is it? I want it for Christmas. And then Christmas Eve, you know, we had to make the rounds and go make some appearances. And we come back into the little courtyard area, and there's like a stack of packages. Uh, you know, most for me. Oh, there's my stuff. And there's the, the Maddie one. And I'm ripping it open. And I'm excited. I look at the where it is on the form, the order form, and everything's there. The Ghostbusters want the tracking number and everything. And I take out the paper and I pull out the box, and it's the Battle Cat from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Yeah, yeah. If you could have seen the sad, twelve-year-old look on my face of disappointment. And uh, That's not right. I had that one lone little tear that kind of came down the right side of my face and just just like, you know, slow-mo hit the ground, splashed. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that was a major gaffe on uh, Maddie's part. I've heard a lot of negative, uh, horrible things about uh, Digital River and all that. I've been fortunate that this hasn't happened to me before, but um, pretty big blunder and almost ruined Christmas for me because I was Christmas Eve. I was looking forward to... Uh, Playing with my wand, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what if this like the ghosts of Christmas past come to you? Exactly. How are you going to contain them? Thank God, we we would have been helpless. We would have been it would have been a bloodbath. Uh, oh. You know, because I had the I had the the thing, I had the PKE thing, and I had the goggles, and I had and you have a trap, right? Trap, but what good is any of that without the weapon? Yeah, how do you get them over the trap? Exactly. So. uh so I'm very disappointed. So this episode, we're taking up a collection. Uh, so I'm hoping the fans are going to, you know, come through and uh, get me a couple of wands uh, that I missed out on for, for, for Christmas. Uh, so did they, did they fix it, though? Well, no, because I need to contact them. I'm, I should probably order an, a, a new one and get this thing returned, but we'll talk about that off air. But Okay, all right. But no, it's uh, – Because so I, I have one, I gotta, and then it would be exciting to get together, and then we can cross the streams. If you know what I mean. You're still talking about the Ghostbusters 1. <laughs> I am still, okay, yes. All right, good. 
yeah, because unless, you know, I could bring the battle cat, but I, I think you'd notice that it's not, you know, I think yeah, I that's, fake, that's not, that's not as exciting. fake it for too long. So that was my big Christmas present to myself, and oh. you know how that went. Oh. Yeah, so that was a big, that was a big downer, and uh, couldn't get to sleep. Uh, haven't slept since, actually, because of it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that was, that was that. So now let's talk about, this is that time of year where besides all the, you know, the shelves get cleared and the new toys come out and stuff. This is when we start seeing a lot of trailers for the coming year and hear lots yep. of tidbits about, Ooh, where do you see what's coming out in the summer or whatever? Um, one of the things we, we, we heard that certainly have mixed feelings about, but, but wasn't, why as disappointed as I thought it might be, we're not going to get a new Indiana Jones movie. Certainly not with Harrison Ford. Uh, I think it's it. I mean, there's no – every time they mention it, every time they talk to him or whomever, they go, well, we're just trying to get the – just trying to get that MacGuffin right. I mean, as if there aren't 400 MacGuffins you could come up with for this movie. But no one ever says, well, you know, you're going to be 77 years old when that, that happens. Like, don't you think that's a bit ridiculous? So – but now they're kind of saying that there are no plans – either rebooting or recasting or anything for Indiana Jones for at least three or four years, right? I think it's two to three years, but yeah, the, the, it, it came up because, you know, Disney, we knew got some rights to Indiana Jones right. when they bought out Lucas. Right. Uh, but then there was still Paramount still owned a chunk of uh-huh. it. And I guess that finally lapsed or they bought it back or something. So Disney fully owns it right now. So I think some people sort of expected that they would start strip mining that. Yeah. Uh, because some people already think they're doing that with Star Wars. Uh, but they, they came out, you know, and said, you know what? We're, we don't have an idea yet and we're not doing anything till we know what we want to do. But it's so. an interesting thing because, um, first off, that's just, I mean, I, there are, there, there are, I, I cannot believe. Indiana Jones has always been such a conundrum to come up with a story and make something happen. It's like, my God, this is a, a gift from the heavens. Like, you know, you could pay two page, you know, Paramount pages to come in and write a treatment for God's sake and, and, and get it done. So I've never understood that, but it, it does open up this whole thing that, that I was very protective of because, you know, being such a fan and a Harrison Ford fan, Indiana Jones and growing up with all this stuff, I got very protective we talked about this once on air too, about the whole notion of starting over and recasting, and you know, someone else being Indiana Jones and, and trying this. We don't. We don't need to start over. We have Mutt Williams just right there waiting for us. Boy, that guy! Talk about it. Have you been following that stuff? Oh yes. What a! I mean. And it got even crazier just like yesterday. You couldn't make this up. Like it's so like. You just kind of want to go. It's a miracle that you. Someone kept your mouth shut for as long as they have. You must be paying the right people because if this is how your brain works. But, you know, he did do that thing. Remember he did that thing where he was bagging on Crystal Skull? Yep. And somebody brought it up to Harrison Ford, and he's like, he should keep his mouth shut. Like, shut up, kid. you got a pretty good thing going. But uh, anyway, the notion of recasting, I got so protective of it. Uh, and then I thought, well, you know, we've we've had different James Bonds. It's not, but there's something different about it for some reason. It's, it's harder for me to get my my head around. But I mean, it's, I suppose it's the same thing with, you know, if they're going to do a young Han Solo kind of thing at some point, somebody is going to have to play Han Solo. And yep. it's just those they're so iconic those characters. And there's such, you know, with Bond, it's interesting because with 
with with and you know it's like we always talk about with the Star Trek thing. You know the the way they cast the the new movies. Um, I think it's kind of hit or miss, and I mean that performance wise and just choice wise. But also, I think it's interesting that it's they kind of went both ways. Like you've got someone like Simon Pegg or someone like um, what's his name? You know, Bones. Um, Carl Urban. Carl Urban who are doing, they're not like doing necessarily an impression, but they clearly want to remind you of the original guys, yeah. especially, you know, uh, Urban and um, Quinto as, as Spock. Yep. And then you got Pine, who very wisely, either himself or whomever said, stay away from the whole Shatner thing. Just be Kirk and be the, the essence of the character. You don't need to try to do a Shatner thing, you know, and, and so on. So that's, Really interesting the way they've they've chosen to to do some of this stuff. Um, but with Star Wars, when you think about Han Solo, like you, it just it's hard not to think of Harrison Ford and what he brought to the character besides what was on the page. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very interesting. So there's there's that. But I'll say this again: you and I agree this on this. We've said it a bunch of times. For God's sake, if you're not going to make a movie, you're not going to do much. With this character, you've got this gold mine of a character. Give us an animated series. Yeah, you know it, it's so perfect for the that animated universe and all those adventures that we never saw in between things and all the places he could go and all the adventure that that could happen in an animated series. Um, it just seems like a no brainer, you know that, uh, and it wouldn't even have to. You know how the original Batman animated series in 92, how it, the look of it and the feel was like this kind of a netherworld. Like, you know, there were, there were, all the men were wearing suits and hats and, you know, yep. used Tommy guns and the, and the, and the automobiles and the, the vehicles all looked kind of period, like 30s, 40s kind of thing. Uh-huh. But it wasn't. It was, it was modern. You were led to believe that this was a, a current kind of, I mean, they had, you know, video cassettes and, you know, all that, all that technology, uh, yep. but they made it look as, I mean, you could do that with Indiana Jones and not alienate, if you're worried about it, a younger audience that wouldn't know that period or whatever. And you just have a rousing bit of entertainment, I think. Yeah, yeah. I wish someone would, uh, would do something with, with that. How about, um, speaking of end of the year and holidays and, you know, time on your hands, et cetera. How about the old, uh, you know, movie shuffle? Have you been seeing anything new or current? Or, well, I'm I'm really behind. Still haven't seen The Hobbit two. Me either. Uh, I did watch. I hear it's got uh, a dragon in it. Oh, what? Shh, no spoilers! Come on, I just told you I have not seen or it. Or maybe someone said it drags a bit. <laughs> maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I watched uh, on the airplane. I watched Blue Jasmine. Oh, what'd you think? Uh, I mean, it was well done and interesting, but again, sort of like you said earlier, that character, not likable. Oh, but she is a rough woman. I mean, she's so good. She's great. You want to strangle her, but that's just a testament to how good she is. But you know what? Who do you think was the best person in the whole movie? Uh, I, I thought the sister. Yes, she was great. Uh, but did you also like like Andrew Dice Clay? I thought he was amazing. He was great. It was just like what Andrew Dice freaking Clay. 
Yeah, but I also really like Bobby Carnival too. He was great. Louis C.K. was great. Yeah. Everybody's great in it, but I was I was shocked at how good Andrew Dice Clay was. I think he was yeah. pretty much the best person in the movie. How that's, that's just fun to see him in something like that, you know? Totally. Just like good Won't it be Woody Allen. Incredibly you know? ironic that here was this guy that I was never a, I never disliked him, but I was never a fan of of his stuff. But I, I didn't I didn't dislike yeah. him or anything. But there was a time where he was the most hated stand-up in in America. He was loved he and, sold, and yet red hot. And yeah. red hot. He sold out. Madison Square Garden and all that stuff. But, you know, for a lot of groups of, of people, he, they were not fans of his. I find, will find it hugely ironic if, if he gets some kind of a nomination, you know, for, the, for this movie, for acting, because he was a guy that I don't think he could even get into the Oscars. Certainly, I don't think he was ever invited. Right? Didn't he get banned or something? I think he did. Yeah, he did something kind of squirrely when he got up to... Right. Like read something. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I something about happened it. with him. So I'd be curious to know how that how that plays out. Um, I'm a, as you know, in case you don't, if you haven't heard from all the all the, the fancy places where people go and talk about such things, I am actually a member of the Screen Actors Guild, SAG, as they call it on the street. Yeah. And uh, I've been getting these screeners. <laughs> I feel right? like a real big shot. Like. Wow, I'm getting screeners. First time in my life I'm getting fancy pants screeners coming through the mail slot. Uh, so I've caught up on Captain Phillips. Okay. Um, which is not about the guy that invented the screwdriver, Philip. No, that's not what I understand. No, I got that completely wrong. I kept thinking, when is he going to start fixing things and yeah, repairing? Not every, not everything can be flathead. Exactly. You know? Like when is someone going to say, Captain Phillips? Is there another way we can screw this thing in? I need more torque. Need more t- <laughs> what if it did it with crosshairs? Um, saw that. Uh, American Hustle. On, oh, on that's supposed to be terrific. Screener. That's an interesting movie. I'd be really curious to know what you think of that, because that is a weird one. It is. What's funny is, I don't know if you've, you've heard this, maybe you have, but they, they put it into, I mean, first off, the Golden Globes, and we've talked about this, what a nut house golden globes are and how ridiculous the whole the whole thing is but um they put it into the comedy category they're they're putting it up as best motion picture comedy you know best director comedy best actor comedy uh it's certainly got weird funny stuff in it there were laugh out loud moments but it's also you know very much a drama and there's there's heaviness so it's a it's a weird hybrid of of stuff and Easily the most, uh, how can I put this? The most hair-centric movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like every single character. More so than Hairspray? Oh, my God. Every character. What about hair? From, from minor to major has got some funky hairdo uh, that that took them ages to you know get out the door. But it's good. It's, it's interesting. Um, Captain Phillips. Um, Twelve Years a Slave, which I haven't actually haven't watched yet. Um, what's the other one? Um, You're gonna have to tell us. August, I don't know. August Orange County, August Osage County, or whatever. Oh, uh, the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Watched part of that, kind of gave up, and then Dallas Buyers Club, the uh, right. Matthew McConaughey. Man, oh man. Great movie, but again, you know, once is enough. 
Um, did you see, speaking of those kinds of movies, I, I feel that way about District 9. I think District 9 is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- never need to see it again. I can't, it was heartbreaking, that movie. I can't, I yep. can't watch it. Did you see Elysium, the follow-up the guy, the guy did, Elysium? I haven't yet. The guy in front of me on the plane was watching it, so I got to see some of it with the sound off. Yeah. But I, I heard it was not as impressive a follow-up as one might have hoped. No, and it just it – just, a lot of the stuff you know, I noticed lately, either rentals or just you know, finally getting to it or whatever, I keep looking at my watch like, come on, what's, is something going to kind of you know, happen or is there a story element that this is going to – is there a plot that's going to eventually – unfold at some point in this in this story um that was a tough one to to get through um yeah. and i also saw i think i'm the only person that saw or rented maybe maybe that's even seen the harrison ford gary oldman film paranoia uh rented that on rep remember we were talking about that as the worst ad <laughs> i do and it made like yep. 17 dollars when it when it came out uh yep. you know i've seen every harrison ford movie ever so i had to had to watch the thing I couldn't tell you – I couldn't even tell you what it was about. I don't even – it was like as forgettable as, you know, an episode of 30-something. I'm guessing it was about paranoia though, right, to some degree? Hey, you're making me paranoid. Just saying. Back off. Um, that was, the, the other one I saw uh, that I highly recommend is The Way, Way Back. That was a good movie. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. That's one of those little sleepers – that you kind of go, it's like a Bobby Fisher to me, like searching for Bobby Fisher. Like ten years yeah. from now, you go, do you remember that? I mean, that was a good little sleeper kind of movie. Uh, yeah. Steve Carell was fantastic in that. Yeah, very different part for him. Yeah, um, the kid was okay. Again, I kind of thought, God, do something, will you, kid? Like he's just kind of. But uh, what's his ass? Sam Rockwell. Oh my God! And it, and you know what it was? It was a Bill Murray part. Oh, totally. Right? I mean, wasn't that – did yeah. you watch it and just go, oh, my God, this would have been Bill Murray 30 years ago? Oh, absolutely. He was so, so Bill Murray, and he was wonderful in it. Uh, that was a good movie. That was that was fun. I uh, yeah, I liked that. Yeah, that was good. Everybody was good in that. Um, American Hustle, a um, few documentaries here and there. You know, the old – this is the golden age of documentaries. Netflix Instant. Whoo, mama. Yep. You, just, you just get lost on that uh, – documentary section you know. just one right after another one right after another so i watched one on the band uh big star uh the cult i guess you call them you know one of the best loved cult bands uh from the early 70s uh, alex chilton and that gang uh i never was really a big fan of big star but it's an interesting documentary it's called big star the documentary nice no it's called uh <laughs> something like I'm running as fast as I can. I don't know. I forget what it's called, but it's you can find it if you're interested. And it's it's very well done. Um, kind of heartbreaking, as a lot of this stuff is. Another one uh, I watched called Upside Down. It's the story of Creation Records, uh, founded by Alan McGee uh, over in the UK. And Creation, you know, had bands like Jesus and Mary Chain, uh, Teenage Fan Club, uh, Ride, etc. But uh, and Primal Scream, early 90s, kind of helped break them in, in, in a few ways. But the big explosion was Oasis. Uh, Alan McGee and Creation signed Oasis in 94, and the rest is, is history. But uh, for Geek Shell Inherit trivia buffs, uh, the name of my toy company is Biff Bang Pal. 
one uh, yes. F and there was a mod group from the this mid sixties called the creation. And they had a B side called Biff Bang Pow with two F's. Uh, well, many years later, Alan McGee, who formed creation records, he had a little band going called Biff Bang Pow and uh, put a few, a few records out. But the, the name of the label Creation came from the name of that that band uh, as well, um, and that's kind of where my um, toy company name came from, as well. And just the fun, you know, the fun sort of TV Batman, you know, Biff Bang Pow kind of stuff too right. was was part of it. Uh, speaking of which, did you well, real quick though? I, I, what's yeah? that? I was going to ask. Well, I was going to before ahead. you were saying Biff Bang Pow. There was a little Biff Bang Pow news. Oh, that yes. came out this past week. Oh. Uh, you guys no. saying that you have let the, uh, I forget how you word it, let the Doctor Who license expired. You're not doing Doctor Who stuff anymore, basically. No, we are not. not. No, it's, it's been a, a, you know, a slow process uh, <laughs> across the board. You know, in good and bad ways, it's been a slow process. Um, BBC, we wish them all the best. Um, uh, God, there's loads of other BBC properties I'd love to try to do someday um they're they're a tough bunch of folks um and they, and they put us through through hell for sure but we all you know agree we made some beautiful stuff some great stuff um it's a number of reasons and the planets lining up the kind of the way they did and you know we're not mattel and we're not hasbro and we still have to pick and choose what we devote our time to and how much of that and you know what is sort of going to coast and what's going to soar, you know, and it's, and it's, it's difficult. Um, so there are a number of reasons that it, that it all sort of happened, but it was kind of time to hang up our scarf <clears throat> and sonic screwdriver regarding, uh, the doctor who license. But that's gotta be tough. I mean, you, you've talked about on this show before that this was a dream license for you. This, you know, you, you did a lot of stuff. You did action figures, you did you know, barware, drinkware, journals and stuff like that. But making those figures, that sort of retro eight inch thing, that's that's what you have been dreaming about for uh, all of your 60 years on this planet. Right. Sixty three, actually. Sixty three. Right. 63. Yeah. Which reminds me of a Peter O'Toole story. So we'll, we'll get to Peter O'Toole because we lost Peter O'Toole in 2013. Ah. I'm Peter O'Toole. Um, you're right. And it's, you know, when I make a, you know, way back when, when I made a short list of boy, if I could get my own toy company going, here's what I'd love to do kind of thing. You know, Doctor Who was always in there. Um, you know, I, I first started hunting around before we got any – I don't think I've told you this or anybody this, but before we – I officially was more of an entity. But when I was just really just on my own, you know, 6 a.m. every you know every other weekday morning calling London trying to get the license for space. Before I officially was anybody, um, I knew the show was was coming back. I knew Doctor Who was coming back. It's 2005. I started exploring the possibility of getting a license then because I thought oh. this show was going to explode and nobody was doing merchandise. But yes, it, that, that sort of you know short list of all the stuff that I'd want to do, you know, Beatles, uh, James Bond, Doctor Who. You know, obviously the ones like Star Wars and indie, you know, were already sort of you know happening. You can't can't miss them but yeah it was always there and so it was a huge labor of love and a huge huge um i mean it took a lot of work i never i never felt secure until the ink was kind of dry because 
you know, I kept thinking any second now, why would they give it to us? Like, why would we be allowed to do? And, I, and the, the turning point came. They were kind of on the fence about like, well, we've already got this stuff and, you know, character options is doing this and which is underground, as you know, in the U.S., you know, underground toys, but character options in the U.K. do all the beautiful stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, on all the classic stuff is, 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 is beautiful. Never wanted to interfere with that, but they were kind of on the fence. Make it real quick. I was over in London for you know other reasons at the time, set up a meeting, and it fell through or someone didn't communicate properly or something happened. It didn't happen. I'm all the way back where I started in the day or whatever, and then I get a phone call. I think it was actually – I didn't have a cell – my cell phone wasn't working. So I'd given them my wife's cell phone. So she's on the set of a show trying to juggle what she's over there for. She can't reach me, but she can reach my friend Stuart, who's now here in L.A. Uh, doing stuff. And we're having lunch or whatever. And then finally get a hold of the BBC and they say, oh, my gosh, can, we're so sorry about the miscommunication. Can you come all the way back out to Television Center for this meeting? And raced all the way back out to where I would kind of started the day and brought along a couple of um, retro figures, our Venture Brothers figures, which had just hit the eight-inch uh, mm-hmm. Venture Brothers figures. I had brought those with me uh, over to, to London, sat, had the meeting, and they told me that my you know, enthusiasm and passion for the, the property you know, they, was tangible. They, they knew that I knew what I was talking about. They knew that I knew the Dennis Fisher stuff from the 70s, and I was that kid that couldn't find the stuff when I first went to London back in, in 80, you know, 81 and they granted the license. And initially it was going to be for retrofit. And it was very specific because they said, we're doing all kinds of toys and action figures. What do you want to do? And then I explained what it was. So it took a, it was a long courtship. The paperwork took forever. The factory approvals, all that stuff was nightmarish, but we finally got it. And, you know, we're, as anybody in the toy world would kind of tell you, you know, you can't – it's a fine line between doing – you have to do a fair amount of work knowing that the, the paperwork is coming, knowing this is going to happen. You know, you got to hit the ground running. So you go, well, look, it's going to be three months before that's going to be – but let's get, let's get something started. Let's get the – act, act as if you have faith and faith will be given unto you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that fine line is you also don't want to do too much because if, God forbid, it falls through – then you've really been kind of pissing away a lot of time and effort and money resources for something that never happened. So, but you want to know as soon as it's ready to go, you're ready to go because a lot of people understand this. Maybe some people don't, obviously, you know, when you hit the button and say, you know, it's Friday afternoon, here's the the green light to make this particular thing. It doesn't hit the toy shelves the following Friday. You know, it's a, it's a incredibly lengthy process, not just to, the approvals process and the manufacturing and everything else, but it could be likeness issues or safety or this and that. So, and you have a finite amount of time with the license. So you really do have to get, get moving. And that's how it, that's what it always was with this Doctor Who license. It, like we never had a chance to breathe and we kept those plates spinning as, as, as best we could. And it was very successful, you know, to, to toot our horn. We were, it was a successful license and we had a great partnership for a while, but it just, the planets lined up the way they did, and it was time to say, you know, au revoir. Let's devote our time to some, some other things. And it was a bit of a, yeah, it was a little dream that, that came true. And I, the day that I was in London at Forbidden Planet and saw our retro 
uh, Doctor Who figures on the on the shelf, it does bring a bit of a lump to your throat because you're like, wow, how did the world get so small that I was that kid 30 years ago at Hemley's Toy Store in London looking for Doctor Who toys, and now we actually made them, and, and, and here they are. Um, I'm going to cry. I said I wouldn't cry. <laughs> but uh, but thanks for asking. Yes, it was a nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I was I was a big fan of that stuff. I think you did a really dynamite job, and not and not just the figures. You know, the like the glasses that were the the drinkware that had all the the different doctors and stuff. Mm. Uh, just you know that that stuff's a dynamite. Well, thanks, man. Well, here's the ironic thing about this. You know, because I'm I'm talking toys, 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 and retro figures, and oh, we got to make the TARDIS. I mean, my notion was. If this is all we get to do, I want this stuff to be the stuff that I kind of always dreamt of, which was the Dennis Fisher range, which was Tom Baker, Leela, K-9, the Dalek, a Cyberman, Giant Robot, and John McEnroe. No, that's not right. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, um, <clears throat> I think that's everybody. So okay. except for the Giant Robot, we got to do – oh, and the TARDIS. There was a big TARDIS playset, which when Dennis Fisher did it in 76 – as you know, uh, Migo did the Star Trek, you know, the Enterprise. You remember the thing that you'd spin and then hit the button and they would, the figure, like, was dematerialized on a planet or something? Yep. This exact same thing was what their TARDIS playset was. So you'd put the figure in the front door thing and he disappeared inside the TARDIS, which was not the point of the TARDIS. But that's what that thing <laughs> was. So I said, let's, let's do this. And, and, you know, the little piece of trivia, the plan was for this coming Comic-Con that we would have done a limited edition run in the Dennis Fisher repro packaging, which at oh, Comic-Con wow. last year, I sat with a table of BBC folks and <laughs> regaled them with my, I wore my monocle and my top hats and I had my cigarette holder and, oh, wasn't I funny? And, can, and they said, yeah, that's a great idea. What's Dennis Fisher? Like, the, you know, with all these licenses, like you have to know more than the guy you're sitting across from because you're you're that passionate about it. And we were going to do it for this Comic-Con, but alas, it didn't happen. But um, So yeah, so we did the TARDIS and all that stuff, so we got to do that stuff. But Dennis Fisher, when they did it, it was that, we, you know this because you love Mego stuff, it was that one or two times in the history of Mego that the range was not eight inches tall. Right, yeah. They're 10-inch figures. Yeah. So truthfully... The world never got those eight-inch Mego S figures, and now they have them. And what little we could do, they're going to go with all the rest of your 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 Migos, you know, in 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 scale. Um, so we had a lot of fun. But I was getting to somewhere because you just said something that was that was ironic about it. You said, "What did you just say?" I said it was ironic. Isn't like it like, rain on your wedding day? Isn't it? Yeah, but you said something. You said uh, how much fun it was. Oh, here's the ironic thing. So you make. You know, let's say you do a Tom Baker figure, and let's just say hypothetically, uh, your minimum you know you're going to make is like five thousand pieces or something. You know, those don't sell overnight. They don't sell in a month, and you know they they take a while. It's it's not a household name necessarily for a Tom Baker figure these days, or whatever. But they move. The flip side of that is, we did a River Song journal, you know, which is a, a basically just a simple. Blank, you know, journal that's a repro of uh, the one that River Song had in the in the show. Yeah, that kind of looks like the TARDIS. I, you did you did a couple of versions. A couple of different right? versions, that's right. And but the but the standard version, the ten twelve dollar you know version, I think to date, 
we've made 65, 70,000 pieces of that journal. Wow. That's, that's like printing your own money. And so people just, they really responded to anything TARDIS-like. And I, I had a feeling from the, from the get-go, I said, whatever we can do with the TARDIS and any, any kind of, you know, playing off that shape and the color and the, and the vibe or whatever it is with the TARDIS. And people just, I never thought I'd see the day that in the geek world, in the sci-fi world, the TARDIS would be almost as popular as like the Enterprise or the Millennium Falcon. You know, it really has crossed a lot of a lot of boundaries. I feel like I'm rambling. That's crazy. That's crazy. That that was something I was going to bring up actually, because I was in Iowa. You know, and it, it's it's the same sort of thing you've talked about, like as a little kid and stuff, and even me, you know, sitting at home watching, you know, the Peter Davison Doctor and stuff like that. No one else knew that. It wasn't like Star Wars, right? You know, it was just Doctor Who was so niche to the sci-fi people. But you know, I'm in Iowa yeah. this past week. Mm. And I go into a restaurant, mm. and there is a girl sitting there, and she's wearing a Tom Baker scarf. Oh. <laughs> and then, like, ten minutes later, another woman walks out wearing a TARDIS dress with a TARDIS purse oh. in the same restaurant. Oh, that's trippy. And then last night, I'm just driving home from work, and there's a car in front of me, and there's a kid in the back seat with a TARDIS hat on. Oh, that's funny. And it's just like... It's everywhere now. It truly is. And, and what's really funny about that is, is the TARDIS, you know, I, of course, didn't know as a kid. I didn't, under, I didn't know what a police box was until I read about it and understood what that was and how it, you know, it, it referred to the TARDIS and the chameleon circuit and all that stuff. Well, now, I mean, you literally have I – mean, I imagine there are more people alive in England that only know the TARDIS as the TARDIS. And never would have a reference for it being a police box. It's it's, right, it's yeah. completely transcended that whole bit of history. It's just it's just the TARDIS. That's just what you know what what it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's I find that just and you know like I've always said about Doctor Who, and we've kind of talked about this too, where it's like you know if you were a Doctor Who fan at eleven, twelve years old, you know whatever, you didn't wear a Doctor Who button on your jacket. No. You know, you could because you couldn't find one, even if you wanted. <laughs> That's true. You <laughs> have to make your own the damn thing. But you could, you could be into Bond. You could be into Star Wars for sure. Star Trek was pushing it. That was pushing it. You didn't want to let the world know you were a Star Trek fan. And if you did, you wanted to make sure they knew. Yeah, but I like Star Wars better, much as you like yeah. Star Trek, because it was still kind of in that nerdy kind of realm. And this is now it's an age where everything is cool. Like you, you can't, you can't be too nerdy like everything is acceptable but when we grew up you didn't want to tell the world you were into if you want especially if you wanted to like make it with a girl you know even hold hands you didn't want to go did you see the uh did you see the colin baker episode last friday did you like it that's you're not getting anywhere pal so yeah it was very much you know an article in star log or you know here and there whatever it was not anyway i can't i still can't get my head around the fact that it is as mainstream as it is, cover of TV Guide, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and the TARDIS has become, you know, we, we did a license plate frame uh, with a logo on it. And then it says, you know, my other, you know, it's, what, would you, what would you put on a license plate frame if you had the Doctor Who license? Either this car is bigger on the inside than the outside, <laughs> or you'd say, uh, you know, my other car is a TARDIS. I mean, can't keep it in stock. People just yeah. 
It's 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 amazing, and people they just respond to that. It's so bizarre too when you think about it. It's just this blue police box. You know, that's all it is. There's nothing particularly sexy about it, and it doesn't have laser weapons and you know, turbine engines and shit. But it, people just love it. It's just become very, very mainstream. Uh, very, very strange. But anyway, I feel like I'm rambling about this, so I apologize. But um, yes, Doctor Who is everywhere now, as they say. Um, uh, speaking of BBC America and such things, Sherlock yeah. is back. Is it now or it's coming back? It's coming back, but um, your friendly neighborhood podcast partner has seen the first episode. You? How did you do that? Uh, I have a time machine. What? Yeah, I just... This, this is ridiculous. And why haven't you shared? Popped over, because I literally just got, got hold of it. I will... I will I will make sure that you, you're made aware. Speaking of which, there's a really cool uh, – I always talk about SFX magazine. There's a really cool special issue that's out uh, all about time travel. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a chunky magazine. Um, and please don't say that when you go to the newsstand because <laughs> yes. God knows what they'll give you. <laughs> don't say, do you have this month's chunky? Junkie magazine. You don't you don't want you don't want to know what you're going to get, uh, but it's really cool because they list like the top 100 time travel, you know, in one big pot. They they throw in comic books, movies, uh, books, TV shows, or t- specific TV episodes, um, and something else. Uh, top 100 of all time. What do you think? And there's some really. Did you ever see a movie called Primer? Uh, yeah, what was that again? It's two guys, and it was written and directed by one of the guys that stars in it called Shane someone. Um, and it's, it's two guys that in, in one of them. Oh, the time travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In one of their garages, they invent a time machine. Yeah. It initially starts as, well, let's take this inanimate object and, and, and move it forward in time. Eventually... They they themselves start to uh, you know play with with time travel. It is so mind bending that the first time you see it, you literally have to hit play and start the whole thing over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's it's really smart and almost too smart for for its own good. But there's so many great things on this list that I either forgotten about or hadn't heard or whatever. What do you reckon was number one on the list? For uh, let's see. Um, so we're talking movies, books, uh, television episodes or shows, whatever, uh, comic books, and breakfast cereals. Thomas the Tank Engine. Very close. Very sweet. You're right there. You're right in the pocket. But no. <laughs> oh. Uh, the Time Machine by H.G. Wells. Oh sure. Yeah. Guess what number two was. That is going to be. Ma and Pa Kettle. Very – you're right there again. You're on fire today. Uh, it was actually Yes, Giorgio, the Luciano Pavarotti uh, starring vehicle. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not true. I'm sorry. That was the best Pavarotti films of all time. Uh, oh, no, number two was Back to the Future. And okay. they say that it's – for years – and Bob Gale is interviewed, and he says that you know for years there's always been that talk of like we could remake it. You know, let's do a reboot. Let's remake it. And he says they can never 
figure it out or get it off the ground. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm boasting because I co-wrote the thing. But it's such a perfect little machine that you don't want to touch it. You don't want anybody near it to remake this thing. It's so right, yeah. finely crafted as a time, uh, time travel thing. But this is a bit of trivia, again, for the fans out there and for yourself. And I didn't know this. Uh, Mr. H.G. Wells wrote First Men on the Moon, uh, The Time Machine, War of the Worlds, Island of Dr. Moreau, and Glen Gary, Glen Ross. No, wait. I'm That's sorry. not true. No, that was David <laughs> Mamet. That was David You're Mammoth. wrong. Yeah. I always get Mamet and Wells. I'm going to fight you on that one. I get them mixed up all the time with their, their stuff. Uh, he, wrote those, he wrote all those stories before he was 29 years old. Gee, and then everything was kind of downhill from there. Like he never really, I mean, I guess you don't, you kind of go, well, shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well done. But he wrote those four uh, all before the age of, of 29. What a, what a creative burst, huh? Yeah, but what's he done lately? Yeah, no shit. Way to go, H.G. Yeah. Mick, Mick, Mick H.G. Mick G. Oh, one other thing that Mr. Heiler uh, sent me in this little Christmas package don't, yes. don't tell anyone. Okay. Can you keep this to yourself? Yeah, yeah. It's just you and me here. The um, Tarzan animated series from 1976 that Filmation did, mm-hmm. which is not available on DVD. He sent me the whole series. Oh, wow. On DVD, yeah. Yeah, which is a great uh, animated series. Very. Where, uh, that's. I take it that's a bootleg then, right? I cannot confirm or, or deny I'm going to call some people and send them over. They're going to check it out for you. Some people in authority. I thought you could. Some, some license holders. Just to yourself. That Speaking might of want uh, to... Paul Rudd. What? <laughs> I just have whiplash uh, in that transition. It's looking like he's going to be Ant-Man, yeah? That's what they're saying, yeah. I'm okay with that. I am too. I'm not, you know, I mean, who could they throw at you that you'd go, oh, he shouldn't be Ant-Man. But the question is... Here's something I read that was funky. Yep. Who is he, which character is he playing? Is it Pym or is it uh, Luther Vandross? Who's the other guy? <laughs> Luther Vandross. Uh, well, I don't know. That's a good question. So, uh, but I, the thing is, I, the other guy, the rumor is that the other character that talked may be talking to Joseph Gordon, live it alone. Right. But he's also the front runner right now to be... Dream in the Sandman Which movie is, for DC. What is that about? Isn't that kind of weird? And you know that book a lot better than I do. But isn't that kind yes. of funky? Uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how you make that book at all. But with, they're t- they're but saying, with him. They're talking with, him yeah. about acting and directing the thing. Yeah. What the F? I, I don't quite. I, mean, I got nothing against him. I, I, like, I, would, I would cast like Trent Reznor as him before yeah. I would put Joseph Gordon Levitt like, in there. I like Levitt. I like Joe, Joey. I call him Joey. Yep. He's a looper, you know. He's a looper. I, I like Joey, the looper. Uh, looper's on the list, too. That's a smart uh, time travel thing. But, no, uh, but Primer's a good one. If anybody hasn't seen it, Primer, check it out. But, but, but set aside four hours yes. because you are going to have to watch it more than once. Yes. Ironically, for a film called Primer, you're going to need two coats. No! You're going to need to watch it at least twice. I see what you did. You did it. You did it right there. You set it up and you took so, it home all by yourself. As much as we want to talk all nice and give the people what they want, we're going to have to wrap this thing up because i got a ship christening that i got to have to get to. 
Yeah, and plus we're almost out of tape. And we're, all, and we're all, yeah. almost out of tape. i got to get to the haberdashery to buy some tape. Uh, what else you got for me? So quickly, some bullet point things. They announced that they're uh, – did we talk about this, that there's going to be a new X-Men movie in 2016 and it's X-Men Apocalypse? Did say that once already? Um, we did not. Well, there's, it's coming. It's happening. It's exciting. And uh, Brian Singer put it on his Twitter feed. Nice. The other X-Men news, uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, Rogue got cut from the film. Yes, and, but but along those lines, wacky how suddenly we're, you know, it used to be you'd sit on stuff forever and not hear about it. Not only is that already kind of happening, they've already announced um, Blah Blah Nyborg, what's his name, the guy that's doing the next Planet of the Apes, who did... He did a wonderful job on the remake of Let the Right One In, Let Me In. I thought it was a great remake. Yep. Um, he, Matt Reeves, is that what he's called? I think it is, yeah. They're saying that he's already signed on for the next Apes movie. Yeah. It's a write and direct. Did you see that trailer the other day? Is that one, Apes trailer? Is it the one that in, that he's calling for Caesar in the Forest? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the only one that's been out so far, right? Yeah. Great trailer. Yeah. That's a goodly little yeah, trailer. And yeah, and creepy. Just what is going to happen? What's it called again? Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. The first one was called Rise. Yes. And this one's called Dawn. Yes. And the next one is called Breakfast. It's called Dusk. <laughs> Dusk. It's called Dusk of the Planet of the Apes. Brunch with the Apes. Yes. Brunching. Yes. Brunching with the Apes. So there's that. But I got to tell you about this other flick that I saw that I can tell you about that you should see on Netflix Instant. It's just a fun. Uh, you know, spin on a genre type stuff. Um, you remember the movie Tremors? Yes. Great. Kevin Bacon wasn't Kevin Bacon in it. Yeah, Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward. But it's a yeah. it's a monster picture. You know, it's a great yeah. one of those great fun things where the creatures are under the ground in the desert, and these guys got to fight them. Uh, this is a movie called Grabbers. Have you heard of this? <laughs> no. It's called Grabbers. I don't think that'll show up on my Netflix. Oh, yeah, I think it will. Really? And it takes place on this little uh, island, in, you know, Ireland, little, a bunch of little Irish people in a tiny little village with one little pub and a tiny little market and everything. And these creatures show up. Oh, you know who's in it as a scientist is the guy that was in – you were a big fan of the UK version of uh, being human, yes. almost human or being human? Being human. So he was the werewolf in being human. Oh, okay, yeah. He's in it, and okay. another guy is the lead uh, called Richard Coyle. I think he's got curly hair. You'd recognize him if you saw him. He used to be. He was one of the people in Coupling. Remember Coupling? Yep. He was. He was the Welsh guy in Coupling. And right. then this woman I'd never heard of. Anyway, so this is little villain. These creatures show up and they're killing people left and right. But the the gist of it is, if you're drunk, they avoid you. Huh. They're allergic to alcohol. So take it from there. It's it's this it's a monster picture, but it's kind of a comedy, uh, very kind of you know Bruce Campbellish, and the gist of it is if you can ward off these creatures if you can stay drunk by getting tanked. Yes, it's a nice you know spin on that that kind of genre of, of pictures. That is nice. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, what else you got? One more quick bullet point: yeah. uh, the Thunderman, starring our good friend Chris Tallman hey, on the Nickelodeon Chris channel. It was announced it was picked up for a second season, so that'll be coming. That's Nice. Fun. Good for Tom. Um, Way to go. There, that's a good one. 
I, I know it seems like almost every episode we mention uh, they're remaking something that we're surprised by. So I, I thought we might start a new feature called Remake of the Week. Oh, that's fun, uh, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll mention one now. We, I've actually got two on the list, but we'll save the other one for next week. So the, the first one is they're talking about rebooting the Naked Gun franchise with Ed Helms. Okay, you know, I think if you're going to do this, if we're going to make this a little, uh, a little, little fun, little extra thing on on the show, then we should we should we should make the announcement, say the thing, and then as a little follow up, we should make a little, do we give a shit meter, and see <laughs> you know what one to ten where we are on the meter. So when you say Naked Gun remake with Ed Helms, where do you fall on the meter as far as anticipation? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on if Abrams, Zucker, and Zucker are involved. Exactly. So here's the thing. I was I was not a huge Naked Gun fan. They were cute. They were all right. But the original six-episode series, Police Squad, that it was based on, that was hilarious. I, I couldn't – I totally agree. I think that – you can have the movies. I think the TV series was genius. Yeah. Uh, just the post-credits thing every episode was <laughs> – <laughs> yeah. that alone is a million-dollar idea as a joke. It's brilliant. Uh, that was a great show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so on the meter, what are you, five, six, give a shit? Uh, I'm maybe four. Yeah, I'm, I'm maybe like a one and a half. Yeah, don't. I, I like I like the Ed Helms, but uh, I, I I don't need I don't need a Naked Gun reboot. No, just don't need it. Here's an idea: just come up with something new. No, yeah. just stay home on a Saturday. Yeah. and watch uh, cable. One of them will be on. Yeah, exactly. You don't you do, do 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 something else. Don't don't yeah. uh, don't care. Yeah, uh, and then another bullet and then to, yeah, and then to wrap up, I just uh, want to say our listener of the week. Uh, his name is Chris Chow, and he happens to be my daughter's fifth grade math teacher. Hey, that's cool. It was kind of funny. I guess he was uh, he math teacher, and I guess he does some other like RTI reading stuff. And he was asking the kids, uh, you know, if you ever have to do like a big chore, like not something you do like every week or something, something big. And Paige raised her hand, and she was like, yeah, one time we had to like – clean out the whole garage. We had to like stack all my dad's toys and action figures before we put them back in. He was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like your dad has action figures. You know and so she asked him like a lot of stuff, like what? And, making you know, work? Not, so, He's putting you to work. What? No, no. But he was like, oh, you know, he collects toys. Like what kind of things does he sell them? And, you know, Paige told him about AFI and told about the podcast. Uh-huh. And uh, he has in his classroom, an unbelievable amount of Pez dispensers, like a collection that uh, just cr- really impressive. And I, I guess he kind of said to me it was something that kind of got away from like he had a couple and kids started bringing them and it just went bananas. Oh, that's- but yeah, but he also collects uh, these sort of Korean paper craft figures. They're licensed things mm. of like, you know, Disney figures and they just released some some Star Wars ones and stuff, and he puts one of these out. He's got these shelves that were built in his classroom. He puts one out each day for every year, uh, every day of the of the school year, oh. which is really really cool. And he sent me a link of like where he gets those. But oh, uh, you know cool. he's a, he's a he's a big time fan of like movies and and stuff like that. Well, that's and, very uh, cool. We should have him as yeah. a guest and have him explain what the f the point of algebra is. <laughs> that's nice. That'd be nice. nice. No, no offense, Chris. Bless you. Someone has to be out there doing it. 
you know, I was always the other t side of the brain kid. I was into the writing and the reading and all that. Math killed me. But uh, thank you, Chris, for listening and uh, keeping up the good work. Speaking of Pez, did you know, another little piece of worthless uh, trivia, Pez dispensers are one of three toys. I might get this wrong, so don't beat me up. But they're one of three toys whose original design, initial basic structure, has not mm -hmm. changed in over 50 years. It's, I would imagine that's true. It's Pez. The Slinky. Uh, oh, it might be the Slinky, but I was uh -huh. Lincoln Logs. I think it's Pez, Lincoln Logs, and Viewmaster Reels. Oh, sure. Yeah. Haven't, uh, haven't changed. And uh, also Pez, uh, it originally, I believe, come from Germany with the Pez dispensers because the Pez is the shortened uh, version of Pfefferminz or Peppermint. And I think the, initially the Pez's only came in peppermint. That's correct. And they, uh, oh, you didn't know that. I did know it that, yes. didn't. I knew it's that part of it. Yes, I did. Not in your head and agreeing with me. Um, so that's cool. Uh, thanks, Chris, for listening. Or I'm sorry, Mr. Chow. Uh, yes. Please don't keep us after to clean the chalkboards. They don't have chalkboards anymore. They don't? No. What do they have? They've, they've well, they've got dry erase boards, and then they've got... Uh, these, what do they call them? They call them Elmos or something. This like overhead projector thing that's hooked to a computer. It's all computer these days. The overhead projector. I used to hate the overhead projector. What a waste. Well, it's not, it's not the overhead projector like you were thinking you of, where it's just things? projecting your hand. Oh, yeah. Never a waste of time. And you're writing on a weird clear piece of paper, staring into a light bulb that's like the surface of the sun. Yeah, and you're trying to make out what the teacher's written in the thing because his writing is terrible. And what a waste of time. You know, school yeah. in general is a waste of time. That is not true I'm not at kidding. all. I'm totally kidding. I'm just... Stay in school, kids. Uh, well, there you go. That's that's 90 minutes, but that's at least 43 minutes of entertainment, I think. <laughs> that's right. Don't you think? I think that's a good solid 40, 43. I don't want to. I don't want to oversell it. So, as a new thing here for 2014, we want to hear more feedback from you guys. We want more, yeah. more suggestions, more ideas. And when I say more, I don't mean criticism. Okay. So hang it up. If you're going to be critical, nobody wants to hear uh, criticism. No, I'm kidding. Say whatever you want. But we love your suggestions and uh, comments and compliments or you know whatever. Uh, please send us more and let us know you're listening because that's why we do it. Uh, yeah, talk to us on the Facebook page. Yeah. Hit us up on our email addresses, whatever. We still got that 100th episode. It's creeping up on us. It is creeping up on us. They're five episodes away after this. And we've been rehearsing our the dance routine that we put. Shit, I shouldn't have said that. No. We're rehearsing something for the show that I hope. Wait a minute. This is an audio thing, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's our hundredth episode, is it? I told you. Why are we killing ourselves doing the dance routine? I don't know. No I don't know. Well, I, I like holding you. I, I know you do. But you can do that for free. We don't need a dance routine. God. Okay, well, you say that now, but I'm going to. Hold me to it. Hold you to hey, it. I did it again with the thing in the book. Unbelievable. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Happy, happy New Year to you. Happy 2014. This is the year we make contact, I believe. That's right. No, that was 2010. I'm sorry. Um, and we'll uh, hopefully do this again within the next month. Oh, I got I got a new uh, like closing thing that I think would be good. Oh, yeah? Say at the end of every episode. What's that? All right, we'll just say... 
geek out. And it's kind of like Seacrest out, oh. but then it's also the double meaning of oh. geeking out. You had me for about a second and a half, and then you put the words crest and yep. C together in a sentence, oh. and you lost me. I'm sorry. That's all right. You might as well say something like, I don't know, Excelsior or something. Excelsior. Didn't Stan just have a birthday, too? He did. 91. He's, he's nine. Are you... He's ninety one. He is ninety one now. Are you kidding? But his hair is his hair piece is eighty five. You know what's funny? Hey, that's what? It's not a, it's a helmet. Um, I met him on his. I met Stan the man. Happy birthday, Stan! By the way. Oh, and we lost Peter O'Toole. Can I tell my Peter O'Toole story before we go? <laughs> tell your Stan Lee story oh, first. Story. I'm uh, working on a show called. I like how you associate, oh, I met Stan Lee on his birthday, he's old, oh, and Peter O'Toole died. <laughs> like, you just link those two yeah, things. Yeah, but both stories are about meeting the particular person in question. So, anyway, so it's uh, 19 blah blah. Hollywood Reporter does a, a big article on Stan's uh, 75th birthday. Okay. At the time, I'm working on a show called Real TV over at Hollywood Center Studios. And, you know... We would. I was in a different area altogether, but every now and then we'd grab a camera and go out and shoot something, you know, local or maybe a red carpet thing now and then to try to get someone to tie it into the show somehow or a question or something. I don't know who I convinced <laughs> that this was <laughs> that somehow it was newsworthy that myself and another guy go to the grand opening of Marvel Mania, the restaurant up at Universal City Walk. Uh, I know how I convinced them because there was going to be this record-breaking thing where Spider-Man or someone dressed like Spider-Man was going to uh, zip down a zip line from one building all the way to the top of this other building up at Universal or something. And we were going to go film it. All I cared about was the opening of this restaurant and Stan was going to be there. And, you know, I got him on camera saying, this is Stan Lee, creator of Spider-Man. You know, whatever he did, and he did his hand and all that stuff. But I came prepared. I got a color copy of his his the picture from The Hollywood Reporter, which was him surrounded by all the Marvel characters, which were like, you know, John Romita style or something, and uh, had him sign it. And I still have it in the frame. But that was his 75th birthday. Uh, so that's going – that was a long freaking time ago now. My Peter O'Toole story was his first – the first volume of his autobiography is called Loitering with Intent. And in 1991, maybe 92 when it came out, I'm in the Twin Cities. He does a book signing at a, a store called Odegaard Books in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, my father and I go. My father brings a camera. I've got the pictures of me handing him the book and him signing the book. You know, Peter O'Toole. It's Peter O'Toole. I'm very excited about this. But I brought with the original movie program for Lawrence of Arabia that my, oh. my father bought, you know, at the film back in 62. And uh, I brought it with and I asked the woman that's arranged, I say, is it okay if he signs the, oh, of course. And I opened it to a particular page, beautiful shot of him from the movie, the headshot, color shot, where he's going to sign it. And this is my one encounter, my one moment with Peter O'Toole. And I said, Mr. O'Toole, it's a pleasure to meet you. I, 
would you mind? This is, I've got this. And he said, oh, no, cool. And I said, it's from opening day, 1962. And he looked up and just arched that eyebrow, that left eyebrow, and he said, 1963. And I just, every fiber of my being, every geek fiber of my being wanted to go, um, no, actually, it's 1962, Mr. O'Toole. You're completely wrong. <laughs> but I was like, Oh, of course, of course, of course, 1963, you're right. <laughs> and he signed it, and I was like, thank you. And he signed the book, and I walked away, just dejected, just feeling like an ass. And But, I'm, but in my back of my brain, I'm going, I think he's wrong. But, you know, this is pre-internet. I couldn't just right. grab my cell phone and look the thing up. So I raced home. I couldn't wait to get home <laughs> and look up my little Leonard Maltin movie book. Sure enough, 1962, the drunken old sod. He had no idea when his movies came out. So he was wrong. So I got back in the car, went back out to Odegaard Books and beat the crap out of him. Wow. Yeah. That story took a turn. Yeah. You didn't think that was going to happen, did you? I did not. No. But he was, well, at that point he was 103. So he was, I could take him. Basically asking for it. Yeah. But uh, he was brilliant. And, you know, his, I believe his, his graduating class at the RSC, again, I'm not Wikipedia. I don't have a. I'm not. I'm not a machine. Okay. Everyone just. Baffles. 1962. If I get it. 63. If I get it wrong, whatever. But I think his his graduating class was himself, uh, 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 Albert Finney, uh, Tom Courtney, and Richard Harris. Something like like this amazing pool of talent, all came out of the same graduating uh, class. And he just, poor Peter O'Toole did not age well because let that be a lesson to you kids. Keep the drinking to moderation. Don't uh, too much and it shows up on the face. I think he did all right though, even with the face. He did all right, but he did, I mean, he was gorgeous. I mean, you know what what I'm saying? Like he was that blonde, blue-eyed. Did you ever see a movie he did called What's New Pussycat? You ever see that? Uh, I don't know if I ever saw that. You know the song, though, right, Tom Jones? Yeah, I certainly know the song, yeah. You see that sometimes. It's Peter O'Toole, Peter Sellers, Woody Allen, one of the first things Woody Allen did. And it's a wacky, you know, early, you know, mid-60s British kind of kind of comedy. But uh, he's quite the stud in that. But uh, rest in peace, Peter O'Toole. He was, uh, yes. he was brilliant, even though he couldn't get the dates of his films correct, ever. That's right. That's right. But uh, there you go. There's a, there's a heartwarming little... Holiday story about Peter O'Toole about beating the crap out of, out of Peter O'Toole. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Absolutely, it's good to be back. Thank you all. Good to be back. Have a, have a good week. All right, talk to you soon. Geek out! I did it. Excelsior. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. Secrets of nature's deepest mystery.